one 990 is the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots to get through today. Uh, Savannah, you're here. James, you're here. Guys, let's roll. Week that was. I think uh, this week you're kicking it off, right, James? Sure am, John. Have at her, my friend. Okay, so I was seen by a very nice lady named Brenda this past week. She was in a car accident about two years ago. Um, there's no liability issue here. She was hit by a car making a left-hand turn. The car was charged, so I'm not worried about that. Right. Um, she suffered a concussion, back and neck injury. It seems to be that it's fairly straightforward from an injury perspective, so I'm not terribly worried about it from that perspective either, and she's lost a fair amount of income. So okay. this seems like a pretty good case. She comes to see me. What's confusing to me is that she already has a lawyer and the claim hasn't been started yet. And what's happened here is she hired some guy. I've never heard of this guy before. <laughs> never heard of him. He claims to be you know, an expert in personal injury. Um, he's got a very fancy website and, you know, looks like, you know, he... Better can, call Saul. Well, I won't quite go there. But in <laughs> any case, you know, she was under the impression that he knew what he was doing. Right. So what happens is he gets the motor vehicle accident report from the police mm-hmm. and sees that the defendant driver that hit her, that was charged, was being defended or, sorry, had a policy, an insurance policy issued by a particular insurance company. Um, we'll call them Acme, the Acme Insurance Company. Nice. This insurance company has a reputation for being fairly difficult to deal with, but whatever, no big deal. But this guy, this lawyer that she had hired, sees that it's this Acme Insurance Company and says, oh, no, sorry, I can't help you anymore. Go away. And he turtled. Exactly. Exactly. This experienced lawyer, this so-called experienced lawyer that's an expert in personal injury, decides he can't help her. Um, again, this is a very straightforward case. There's no issue about liability. She has suffered objective injuries. She has lost income. She has a legitimate claim, mm-hmm. and she will get paid regardless of who the insurance company is. All this means is that this lawyer is not willing in any circumstances to take a case to trial. And I know this because that's the only reason that you wouldn't take a case against a particular insurance company is that somewhere in the back of your mind you're afraid that if the insurance company doesn't pay that you might have to go that far. Now, is that going to happen in this case? No, it's not going to happen. In the vast majority of cases, they do not go to trial, particularly where you have a very obvious claim. So I'm not worried about it from that perspective. But even if they were being completely unreasonable, and even if I had to take it to trial, so be it. Yeah. So be it. That's what you do when you have to do it. And I've taken cases to trial with this insurance company before when I need to, and that's fine. They know that I'll do it. And because of that, they're going to be reasonable with me. So the fortunate thing is she came to see me before the two-year limitation was up. So I can still help her, and that's great, and we're going to move forward with the claim, and I expect it will go quite well. The other thing I would like to point out is um, she came to us um, because she has a good friend that listens to the show. His name is Ron Derbyshire. So thank you, Ron. Uh, Ron suggested that she call us when he found out the difficulty she was having with her insurance company, or sorry, with her lawyer. And uh, so, yeah, she came to see me because of Ron. So, Ron, thank you for listening, and I appreciate the good work. And if you're listening at home and you have a friend that ha- has a legal issue that they need help with, by all means, please give us a call. one 990 is the number. It's help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Savannah, what do you got going on, pal? Well, actually, before I go into uh, my week, that was just a, a quick comment on the case that James just talked about. I can tell you, again, from my time having defended insurance companies, when we would get a claim on our desk, 
uh, I would go to the last page of the claim, uh, particularly the, the back page, and uh, I would see who the lawyer is and who the law firm is. And then I would advise my client, the insurance company, accordingly. And, you know, insurance companies, just like they know that they can bully people, regular people out there who are on disability, people who have had accidents and are claiming compensation, they also know that they can bully some lawyers out there. And, you know, the worst thing that I think you can do if you have a legitimate claim for long-term disability or if you're seeking compensation for an injury that was caused by someone is to go to a lawyer or a law firm that the insurance companies know they can bully because, you know, the whole point of going to the lawyer is so that the lawyer can represent you, maximize the compensation right. you're owed under the law. The last thing you want is for your lawyer not to have any leverage with the insurance companies. So it is absolutely crucial to make sure that, you know, if you are facing that kind of a situation, give us a call. I mean, we've been there. You know, James mentioned that he's been successful against that particular insurance company. I can tell you that that has happened as... as uh, uh, early, uh, as recently mm-hmm. as, as last year. Uh, so, you know, we do take it all the way if we need to. Rarely do we have to because of the reputation that we have developed. And that's what you need when you're facing an insurance company that is being stubborn and refuses to acknowledge the fact that the law provides that you are entitled to compensation. Well, I mean, you guys have played both sides, so there's a matter of confidence there and experience, right? There is. I mean, you know, in a sense, we know exactly how the other side operates. Right. In fact, many of our friends are defense lawyers. So, you know, it's a small bar, and we all know each other. And, you know, James mentioned that he didn't even know who that lawyer is, and, you know, it does happen. There's a lot of lawyers out there, but, you know, the ones that are prominent, the ones that have a name, a reputation, we know those lawyers. The insurance companies know those lawyers. And, you know, again, you want to make sure that you go with what we call is a, a, a heavy hitter, right? Yeah, a, f- for sure. A firm, a firm that can go all the way toe-to-toe with the insurance company. Otherwise, you don't have the leverage to get the settlement that you're supposed to get. Going to trial is a lot like having a nuclear arsenal. You don't need to use it. You just need the other side to know that you have just it. Just need the red button. Exactly. We'll take a, a short break. one 990 is the number. Help the insurance lawyer.ca. More emails, uh, lots more content on the way. Plus, we'll get to the injury calculator, give you some details on that as well. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. It is help at the insurance lawyer.ca. We'll get to the injury calculator now. So, Van, give me some details. Uh, injury calculator, it's an online tool. It's free. Uh, and, and, you know, th- this is a tool we've developed a few years ago, uh, and it allows people who've been injured uh, in Ontario, in British Columbia, across the country, really, with the exception of Quebec, to figure out really quickly, anonymously, and for free, Uh, how much compensation they can be looking at for their pain and suffering. So if you've been in a car accident, it wasn't your fault, or you slipped and fell on ice, it's winter season now, right? Terrible weather. Uh, You know, whoever it was that's responsible didn't uh, uh, plow the sidewalk. It allows you to figure out really quickly by inputting a few key pieces of information about your injury, where it happened, uh, how old you are. Uh, The calculator goes through a database of cases, where people like yourself who have been injured, who broke their ankle or suffered a concussion or had a back injury, whatever the injury is, uh, it allows you to search that database. That database essentially is there and it, you know, it essentially uh, allows you to figure out how much compensation for pain and suffering you can get. But remember, it's only for pain and suffering. Right. So you, know, you can go on the calculator and it can tell you that for your ankle injury, you may be entitled to thirty dollars to $40,000 for pain and suffering. But maybe now you have difficulty working. We talked about that before. Uh, claims where your injury, the value of your injury for pain and suffering may be dwarfed 
by the potential other expenses like income loss or like you know expenses for modifications for your home because now you need x y and z things in your house to allow you to navigate the, the staircase and you know go inside the house so the calculator is a starting point um, we don't get that information if you use it so in other words you can go on it get the information and log out it's anonymous but if you do want a more comprehensive consultation with us for free all you have to do at the end when you get the result is press the submit button for a consultation and then James and I get that we get in touch with you and then we talk to you about your specific case yeah I've got uh, some more week that was some more cases you want to talk about right yeah let me mention yeah. uh, a couple of cases really quickly and these are long-term disability cases number one is uh, a, a case this is a lady in her early 50s she's a police officer and she had a massive stroke back in uh, September 2015 she went on shortened disability she ended up uh, then going on long-term disability and then the insurance company asked her to try a return to work program which was fairly aggressive and she wasn't able to do now she's been told that she's gonna be cut off as of uh, February 8th uh, they're threatening to cut her off so they're paying her now we're in January but they're threatening to cut her off and you know she wants to know what her options are many people out there who are on long-term disability they're getting checks or they're getting deposits on a, a, a bi-weekly basis or a monthly basis are told look we are going to be cutting you off on so-and-so date don't wait until that date don't wait until you have no money and then call us as soon as the insurance company tells you that they're gonna cut you off or they're threatening to cut you off make sure you call us or email us let's have a chat let us give you your legal options it costs nothing but at least you'll be armed with the information you need to figure out how to deal with the insurer maybe we can avoid the cutoff altogether or if need be, we'll be in a position to start a legal claim against them to force them to come to the table early so that you don't have a prolonged period of time where you have no money coming in. one 990 is that number again in jurycalculator.ca. And to help with the insurancelawyer.ca, we'll get to a bunch of emails uh, this, uh, today as well. What else you got going on? Okay, one more case that yep. I want to mention. This is an interesting case. This is a family physician who had contacted me. And he has an interesting uh, long-term disability policy. I mean, this gentleman makes a lot of money as a doctor, but he has a very severe um, condition. Uh, I'm not going to get into it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's private, but it's a severe condition. And as a result, it's not that he cannot work. It's that he had to drop uh, a few days of work. Okay. So he's only working several days a week. Now, he has lawyers. Okay, This is similar to James's case that he talked about at the beginning of the show. This gentleman has lawyers who are... Uh, purportedly they're saying that they deal with long-term disability that they know what they're doing well for the last year and a half they've been going back and forth with the insurer and they're trying to convince the insurance company to pay this gentleman what he's owed clearly owed under the policy and I reviewed all the documents and you know what I told them after you know we, were, we spoke for about an hour just over an hour I said to him you know I said the the tragedy of this whole situation is that you know they still have not started a claim for you, a legal claim. Had we started a claim when it ought to have been started, yep. we would have resolved your case by now. So they've just delayed the resolution of his claim by probably a year and a half. Nice. You know, and he's asking me, well, why would they do that? Well, I don't know why they would do that because some lawyers, for whatever reason, think that they can reason with an insurance company. They haven't listened to our show. They haven't listened yeah. to the show. And perhaps they just haven't, you know, they, perhaps they do family law or state's law. You know, some lawyers say that they do everything. That's like having a doctor that says that they can do everything. Yeah, no such everything. thing nowadays. 
everything's specialized. So you make sure that if you have a long-term disability case or if you've been injured in an accident, go to a lawyer that specifically deals with this area, that that's all they do. And that's all that James and I do and our team does every single day. Give us a call, email us, nothing to lose. It doesn't cost anything to, to chat about your case. We'll get to your emails and questions after a short break. one 9646 the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Get a hold of Savan's team in the law firm and help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Shauna writes in. We'll hand this one over to you, uh, James. My brother suffered a serious concussion last year in an accident, but despite the neurologist saying that he can't work at all, his insurance company says that they don't have enough medical support to approve him for long-term disability. How can that be? It's fairly straightforward. Um, at this point, you still haven't challenged them in any particular way. Uh, you know, a concussion comes with symptoms that are not always easy to measure. They're not always objective symptoms. Some of them are. Uh, but it's very easy for an insurance company to take a position that there isn't enough there if you are allowing them to handle it in their claims department. In other words, unless you show them that you're willing to push them, uh, then they are going to take any position that they can possibly justify in any way, shape, or form in order to avoid paying you money because that's what they're in business for. They're in business to make money. And they make money by paying less claims and taking in more premiums. Simple as that. So how can they do it? Very simply. That's their mandate. Their mandate is to cut you off or deny your claim as quickly as possible. Simple. And we always go with the fact that, you know, they're playing the odds, right? Nine out of 10 people might not, you know, cause a ruckus and go further, right? That's exactly what they're looking for. Absolutely. And again, you know, just to, to, uh, you know, mention my time as a defense lawyer, when I would get claims on my desk on behalf of the insurance company, uh, you know, sometimes we would be, I would be dealing with self-represented litigants, meaning that a person that does not have a lawyer. And, you know, the insurance company expected me, expected me to do what I needed to do to thwart off the claim, to make sure that the, you know, this claimant, you know, either agrees to uh, a minuscule settlement, uh, you know, a cent, one cent on the dollar, yeah. uh, or, or uh, you know, to, to just drag out the process. The point is that the strategy would be to either not pay at all or pay as little as possible right. uh, at some point down the road, years down the road. So, you know, you need somebody who is going to be able to be assertive and be able to take on the insurance company head on because that's how we force them to the table to pay you what you're owed. The other thing to think about is that this is really just stage one in the insurance company's process in getting you to avoid bringing a legal claim. Stage one, you don't have enough medical documents. Then you run around, you get your medical documents, takes you a few weeks, maybe a few months. Then you get those medical documents. And then they say, okay, well, we're going to have those medical documents assessed. And then a few weeks or months after that, they have their doctor look at it. And guess what? Their doctor says, nope, sorry, you still don't qualify. But it's okay because you can still appeal. And then you appeal and guess what? They say, no, sorry, your appeal's denied. But it's okay. You can appeal again and again. And again, the hope is to drag it out for at least two years and leave you with no option. You know, John, as as we're recording the show right now, uh, I just got an email from an individual just literally two seconds mm-hmm. ago uh, who indicates that he had a full knee replacement surgery back in October 2017, so just a few months ago, uh, and been suffering significantly from, from knee pains for years. And, you know, he applied for long-term disability in October, supposed to be getting $2,000 monthly, 
His surgeon filled out all of the necessary paperwork saying this person cannot mm-hmm. work at this point. And, you know, and this is what the insurance company asked for. They asked for, you know, the surgeon to, to be the one yep. to provide an opinion. Well, now, and he, by the way, he's, 50, he's 52 years old and he's making $75,000 a year, uh, this, this gentleman. Uh, so now they've come back saying, well, you know, the surgeon's uh, information and the stuff that the surgeon provided is not complete for us. Now, now we want you to get some information from your family doctor. You know, and, and again, this goes to James's point, which is that many times it feels like they are just stringing you along. And you know what? Sometimes there is a reason why they're asking for X or Y documents. But sometimes, unfortunately, it's just a strategy. It's a strategy of, uh, you know, trying to, to figure out a way to make you just back off, to, 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 you know, to make you just give up on the claim. And guess what? Many people do because they don't understand that they have rights that can be enforced. Yeah. These insurance companies are not in the business of fighting claims. They're in the business of collecting as, many, as much premiums as they can and then paying as little as possible. But when they're forced, they will pay. That is a certainty. Well, in the case of the email that was sent to us by Shauna, it was a neurologist that saw our brother. And in the email that you just got, it was the surgeon. Right. When you're talking about a specialist who is giving you that, that advice, who's saying that, no, you can't go back to work, they have enough evidence there. They just don't like it. They just don't mm-hmm. like it. If it's a family doctor, maybe there is a legitimate argument to be made because family doctors are generalists. They have to have knowledge in all areas, but they don't specialize in any particular one in most cases. So if there is a particular concern that requires a specialist opinion, then perhaps it's a legitimate thing to say, okay, we need more information, but not when you already have the opinion from the specialist. And the guy who did the surgery. Right. He cannot work. Right. Yeah, and you know, and sometimes it's it's so clear cut. I mean, again, I had somebody contact me this week uh, who has cancer and was, is, is on, on chemotherapy and, and other types of treatments. And I can tell you from personal experience, not to me, but family members, that my God, I mean, th- there's no way you can go to work when you are having full-blown treatments for cancer. And this gentleman had his oncologist fill out all the paperwork. And guess what? The insurance company still came back and said it's not enough. I mean, that is Settle insane, down. right? But again, the idea is that they, they figure that you're just going to back off. They're going to give up. And if you think about it, it's, it's a fairly... You know, it, it's it's a fairly safe bet to 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 think that people who are struggling with these kinds of conditions, who are just trying to survive and trying to get better and try not to throw up 24 hours a day, you know, or be in pain, that they're gonna give up. And you know, again, this is it's just been a very busy week. There's a, a a lady who contacted me. Again, just horrible, horrible case that she, you know she's been through. She's originally from British Columbia, then she was here in Ontario. Anyway, so I'm reading the entire email that she's sending me. And I'm thinking, my God, that is just, this is a case that I think the media would latch yeah. on to. It is so bad. Here's the problem. She was denied back in 2014. Uh, we are beyond the two-year yeah. limitation period. And that's Brutal. something that we always talk about here as well. You have to be mindful of the limitation period. You can have the best case in the world. But if you are beyond the limitation period, you're going to have a very difficult time advancing your claim. There are some exceptions to the Limitations uh, Act, 
but you do not want to be in a position where you have to argue those exceptions because it's going to be an uphill battle. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help the insurance lawyer dot ca three email. We'll get to one after a short break. If you haven't checked it out, injurycalculator.ca. Find out what the pain and suffering part of your claim should be. Lots more of the insurance and injury law show on the way. Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six the number. Help at the insurance lawyer dot ca. We'll get to an email from Kyle here in about a moment. You want to comment on our last uh Last comment before the break, right? Yeah, I want to pick up on something that Savan was talking about, which is the the bet that the insurers are making um, when they're denying the claims, particularly for people who are suffering significantly. And you know, the bet is that they're not going to have the strength or energy to challenge them on it. And that's often very true. And that's why it's so important if you have a family member or a loved one that is struggling that has a disability, that has an insurance policy, that isn't paying, help them out. Help them out. Yep. You can write us, let us know what the situation is, and we can give you the information to give to them, or better yet, get us in touch with them. By all means, we can help. Email from Kyle says, I've been struggling with anxiety and depression for years and recently applied for LTD with the support of my psychologist and family doctor. The insurance coming, uh, the insurance company denied my claim due to, quote, insufficient medical support and said that I could uh, appeal the decision. Of course they did. Uh, is there any point to trying to appeal before taking a legal action route uh, that you often suggest? No, no. Done. We, we Next, question. This. Next question. Next <laughs> yeah. question, yeah. But, but let's, let's, let's uh, dissect this and yeah. explain uh, you know, I'm sure people out there who are uh, in this position or, or uh, you know, haven't gone through the appeal process are thinking, okay, well, you know, Sivan and James are just, you know, they're just looking out for their own interest here and telling the, you know, us, the listeners, yeah. to call them, not to appeal. Listen, if you want to appeal, God bless you, try it. You will see that we are right. The problem is that you're going to realize that we are right, that these appeals are useless. Three, three months, six months, a year, a year and a half, maybe even two years, maybe even beyond that, down the road. And, you know, by the, by the time you realize that you should have called us, as soon as you were denied LTD, either the limitation period would have expired for you to actually start a claim and get compensation, or you would be in such a financial, uh, desperate financial state, uh, not to mention uh, psychological and mental, and in this case, you know, Kyle's dealing with psychological issues, anxiety, etc., uh, that you're just going to say, forget it. I'm just not going to do it. You're going to give up. Again, you're playing into the insurer's hands if you appeal. Okay. And, you know, we've covered this before. When you appeal a decision, essentially the decision remains in the hands of the insurance company. If you come to us and we start a legal claim, we are taking the decision-making process out of their hands. Okay. And, you know, I've used this analogy before. It's like putting a gun to their head, figuratively speaking, obviously, right? It's a legal gun. Uh, And, and, you know, in, in Kyle's situation, he's dealing with anxiety, uh, depression. We've dealt with a lot of claims in our office, people who have these kinds of, of, uh, of issues, of illnesses, disabilities. And, you know, the, the, the main problem is with these kinds of illnesses and disabilities is that the insurance companies treat them as invisible disabilities, meaning, you know, prove to us that, in fact, you are disabled. Prove to us you have anxiety and depression. And so they'll ask for more and more documents. They'll want you to be seen by their psychologists or psychiatrists. Uh, who potentially could come back with a report that says, no, it's not as severe. So, you know, when you are suffering from these kinds of illnesses and disabilities, not the, you know, straightforward uh, uh, knee fracture or cancer or things like that, but when you're dealing with the psychological state, the precarious psychological state that many people are, are struggling with, it's even more important than ever to come to us. And, you know, 
realize this, that when you come to us, not only are we, you know, fighting on your behalf, but you are no longer having to deal with the insurance adjuster. And that's a huge point here. In fact, many people have retained us just for that reason alone, so that we deal with the adjuster, because as soon as we are representing you, the insurance adjuster is not allowed to contact mm. you anymore. The phone calls stop, the emails stop, the letters stop. Everything has to go through us. So we are your line of defense, but we are also the line of attack. We go after the insurance company, force them to come to the table, and pay you what you're owed. So a serious car accident, people should uh, be talking with their insurance adjuster about the benefits of road. Should they at the same time contact the other driver's insurance company, talk to them as well? Dangers of people doing that before they contact you, is there any? No, they shouldn't be contacting the other driver's insurance company. Um, the car accident laws in Ontario are pretty complicated. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about it, um, but the rules that you have to apply um, in order to understand what the value is of a case, what your case is worth, take a while to really figure out, and they're not necessarily intuitive, unfortunately. I really, I can't think of a scenario where a person would be better off dealing directly with the insurance company of the other side. If you have a case where um, you know your injuries are pretty minimal, they're not going to pay you anything anyway. And if you have significant injuries, they're going to lowball you and try and get you to accept something for your potential claim, um, where if you hired a lawyer that uh, understood the legislation, understood what your rights are and the value of your case, they're going to know that they can't get away with that and you're going to get a much higher value. Um, so, it, you know, again, I, I don't really see any scenario where it would make any sense. You want to talk to a lawyer that knows what they're doing. You know, again, I'm going to interject and, and, and you know, speak from the perspective of somebody who worked for insurers. Uh, I remember a case specifically, this was years and years ago, uh, a, a, a case landed on, on my desk. It wasn't a claim. It was essentially um, the adjuster hiring me to deal with an individual who was injured in an accident mm -hmm. because of my client's insured's fault, meaning I was representing the at-fault driver. Right. And the and and you know the person who was injured on the other side did not have a lawyer. Tried to negotiate directly with the insurance company, and when the adjuster contacted me and told me, "Sivan, here is what we're dealing with. Here's the correspondence back and forth. Right. We've offered them X amount of dollars." He said to me, "Here are the injuries. Here's what we want to shut this down for." And the number was fifteen thousand dollars. And I'm looking at the injuries, and I'm telling you right now, John. That case was worth six figures, okay? Oh Low six figures, but six figures. And my mandate was to shut it down, to be able to, you know, make sure that this person ends up signing a full and final release, this document that says that for the $15,000, they're done. They're no longer going to claim anything and have no rights to claim anything in the future for mm -hmm. this accident. Well, I engage in negotiations. I meet with this person. I'm very nice because I'm protecting the insurance company. And just before I get this guy to sign... Uh, the very next day, um, I, I, I get a letter from a prominent uh, personal injury law firm that I know, uh, in fact, a lawyer that I know, uh, who was just, he's excellent. And, you know, I, I, I picked up the phone to my client, the adjuster, and I said, there goes your $15,000. You can probably multiply that now uh, by 10 at least, if not more. Oh, geez. So, you know, my point is that yeah. insurance companies relish the opportunity to deal directly with people who are injured. Because this is what insurance adjusters do for a living, right? You do not want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with someone who does this for a living because the end result, most likely, is that you're going to shortchange yourself yeah. by a lot. Now, if you want to do that and leave a lot of money on the table that's owed to you and your family, that's your prerogative, right? 
But if you don't want to do that, or at the very least, you know, maybe you've been engaged in that in the last few months or last year or so, right? If you're listening to the show, give us a call, email us, chat with us about your case, and we'll tell you if we think that whatever is being offered to you is reasonable or not. Chances are it's not. I can tell you that both from the defense side, having negotiated for insurance companies and against insurance companies, you do not want to be in a situation where you're accepting 10 cents on the dollar only to realize that later and there's nothing you can do because you signed on the dotted line a full and final release and now you can't do anything. one 990 is the number. It is helping the insurance lawyer.ca. Back to your emails after we take a short break in the insurance and injury law show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca is the email. We'll get to one. Jen writes in says my best friend was in a car accident two months ago and was rushed to hospital for head injury and rib fractures. She's only thirty nine, is a single mother of two. She was a dental hygienist, and it looks like she'll be off work for quite a while. She's got a, a paralegal handling her claim, but should she have a lawyer? What's the difference? She should absolutely have a lawyer. So your friend has two different kinds of claims that are going on because she was in a car accident. Anyone who's injured in a car accident in Ontario has access to what are called accident benefits. Mm -hmm. Typically, you'll get that through your own insurance company. If you don't have it, you can get it through someone else's insurance company that was involved in the car accident. But what this gives you access to are income replacement benefits up to $400 a week and also to medical and rehabilitation benefits, as well as some others in certain circumstances. That doesn't matter who's at fault. Whether you're completely at fault, one car accident, whatever, doesn't matter, you have access to those accident benefits. A paralegal can handle that. But if you have a paralegal handling that for you, they're going to want to be paid for it. That's understandable. Mm -hmm. That's really all they can do for you. So they're going to take 20, 25, 30, 35% of what you recover from the insurance company for these benefits. And these are benefits that you're going to need right away because you're probably not working and you need to get that rehabilitation. What they can't do for you is bring a legal claim against the at-fault driver. And that's going to be worth a significantly greater amount of money in most circumstances. So I said that you can get income replacement benefits through the accident benefits. Um, That's only up to $400 a week. You can get anything in addition to that that you would otherwise have earned through the legal claim. You can also get additional medical and rehabilitation. You can get pain and suffering, as well as several other um, kinds of damages. And the value of that claim is going to be significantly higher. And a paralegal can't do that for you. They're not allowed to. The law society says only lawyers can handle those kinds of claims. And the other thing that you need to understand is if we have a legal claim for a client that also has an accident benefits claim, we're going to handle that claim and we're not going to take a penny. We're not going to take anything from the accident benefits that the insurance company is paying. As long as they're voluntarily paying it as they're supposed to, we don't take a dime from it. Now, if they cut you off and they shouldn't have done it and we have to challenge them, then we do get paid on that. But as long as they are paying the benefits as they're required to, for as long as that happens, we don't take a dime of it. So question, people are generally denied long-term disability. Uh, They get cut off, they're told they have 30 days to appeal, you know, I guess to two years and then you're gonna get cut off. 30-day appeal, how serious is that? Do they have to take it seriously? No, they don't. Really? They, they, they don't. The 30 days, it, this is just an internal timeline that insurance companies have set for themselves and for you. And, you know, th- this reminds me of, you know, when Lior does the employment hour and, you know, a person is let go from their job and, and they're offered uh, severance and they're yeah. told, you know, you have three days Friday to, to five, sign. Exactly. it's over. Yeah. Exactly. And it's the same thing there. It, th- these deadlines are, are meaningless. And they're meaningless because... 
the insurer can't dictate what your rights are for the next 30 days. Right. You have two years from the time you've been denied uh, your LTD claim or cut off to start a claim. You don't want to wait two years. There's no reason for that. I mean, by waiting, you know, every day that you wait beyond what you have to is another day that your claims resolution gets delayed, mm-hmm. right? And again, going back to that doctor that had called me that said that his lawyers are negotiating or trying to convince the insurance company to pay for the last year and a half. Well, that's a year and a half that he just lost, right? That we're going to have to do damage control on to figure out how we get this back on track. So when insurance company says you got 30 days to appeal your decision, you know, people call me up and say, oh my God, 20 days have already elapsed. I only have 10 days le- uh, uh, left. I tell them these these dates are, are meaningless. The only date that's it's important- a It's a pressure tactic. The only date that's important, okay, is the two-year limitation period, but you don't need to wait two years or anywhere no. near that. As soon as you get denied or cut off, instead of appealing, you give us a call, you email us, and we'll tell you what your options are. How you want to exercise your options, if you still then want to appeal, go ahead and do it. Again, you know, God bless you. Hopefully it works. I don't think you will. But at least you'll know what your options are. Certainly don't appeal without talking to us first. Yeah, I completely agree with everything that Swan just said. Um, but when I'm taking a look at you know how important is that 30 days, first of all, see it for what it is. The appeal process is just there to keep you from starting a legal claim. It is not in and of itself important because it's part of the appeal process. The appeal is useless, as we talk about all the time. So does 30, it wouldn't matter if it was five days or 100 days. It doesn't matter because the appeal process isn't going to help you. But if you're wondering, are they going to stick to that 30 days? Almost certainly not. It's, you know, you see the rotisserie chicken on the infomercial, that rotisserie machine, you call now, you get a, you know, free free set of steak knives if you call in 30 minutes. I'm going to guarantee you, if you call in an hour or next week, and say, those, those steak, steak knives, knives. <laughs> they're still there. <laughs> they're still there. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, if you want to appeal beyond the 30 days, um, it's useless, but I suspect the insurance company is going to be more than happy to keep you in the appeal process. It's one 9646 and help at the If you haven't figured it out yet, injurycalculator.ca as well. Find out exactly what your pain and suffering component of your claim should be. There's lots more after that, but it gives you a good... Uh, Base point to start with. We'll get back to more of your emails uh, right after short break. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 990 lawyer.ca. So uh, you go to the emergency department after an accident. What should you keep in mind when you speak with the nurses or the doctors? Because it always happens, right? Talk to us about the, uh, the emergency room records and the role they play in a legal case, if any. This is a really great question, and it came up in the last trial that I did. Um, the first thing you really want to keep in mind is you want to make sure that when you go to the emergency department, you're talking about everything that you're experiencing. Now, I'm not suggesting for a moment that you should exaggerate, but anything that you feel, anything that's bothering you in any way, whether it's you know much less significant than something else at that moment. Have record. Have a record of it. Make sure that it's written down. In the moment, you know, maybe your back is really hurting or, you know, maybe you have a, you know, a significant headache and you don't really care so much about, you know, this small pain that you have in your knee. It's probably going to go away. No big deal. Well, it can really matter and you really want to make sure that you have that recorded in the emergency record. So in the case that I had, my client was in a car accident and he had significant back and neck injuries. Um, he had a, a big headache and he had a little bit of, you know, tingling in his knee, just as I've described it. In addition, his wife was significantly injured as well. So he's got a lot of things on his mind and understandably, 
when he went to the hospital, he didn't bring up the knee. It just wasn't the biggest thing on his mind. He felt it, but he just figured it would go away. So what happens? Over the course of the next three or four weeks, everything else calms down, gets better, and resolves. But the knee, that starts hurting more and more as time goes on. Mm -hmm. Eventually, he needs two knee surgeries. Wow. The problem is that the first time that he goes to a doctor and tells them that the knee is bothering him is about four weeks after the accident happens. And that's partially because he was getting medication. He was getting painkillers from the date of the accident through these four weeks. So it's masking it a little bit, but this knee pain is growing and growing to the point where even the painkillers aren't subsiding. And so we start a legal claim and the insurance company representing the defendant says, well, you know, I, I, he definitely has a knee problem. He had two surgeries. I'm not arguing about that, but they're saying this accident didn't cause the knee injury because he didn't have any Months. pain for four weeks. And so I had to take that case to trial. And I was successful, and, you know, he got paid, and that's great. But in, you know, another circumstance, in another reality, if he had gone to the hospital and said, listen, you know, it may not be significant, but my knee is also hurting here. Bang, that's record. It, that's in the records, and the insurance company isn't going to take a hardline position when it's so obvious. But, you know, we had a harder struggle because of it, and it took several years before wow. that resolved. It had to go to trial. And if it does have to go to trial, it can take a while. So it is really important when you're talking to um, any doctors, not just in the emergency department, but your family doctor, even for a routine checkup, you want to make sure that there is a documentate that there is a documented record of what you are feeling at that point in time because even if you just go for your regular physical and it's you know let's say you have an elbow injury that's been bothering you for 2 or 3 years and you've gone specifically for that elbow injury on other occasions but here is for a physical if you don't bring it up there and it's not in the doctor's records and he doesn't remember to ask you about it guess what when they get when the defendant defendant's lawyer gets those records and takes a look at it, they're going to say, "Oh, well, on this date you saw your doctor and you didn't say anything about your elbow, so yeah. it must not have been bothering you then. This must be something completely different." So you want to be very careful every time you see a doctor, you document everything that is bothering you. Don't exaggerate, but just tell it like it is. Everything that's bothering you, make sure it goes in the records. We'll uh, wrap it up with an email for today. This one from Sonia says, a friend of mine has cancer and is getting both chemotherapy, uh, which is uh, standard, but is also getting naturopathic types of treatments as well. The insurer is not considering any of the naturopathic treatments in deciding if she should be getting long-term disability. They just denied her claim, but even her oncologist says that she is in no shape to go to work right now. Can they just ignore all medical opinions and deny her? Well, they can, they shouldn't, but they can, and right. they do this all the time. And this is where we come in, right? I mean, you know, forget about whether or not they should be considering the naturopathic treatment. Uh, you know, the fact is that it's it's undisputed that she's going through mm -hmm. cancer, and it's undisputed that the oncologist is saying that as a result of her condition, her illness, her treatments, she's unable to work. Trust me when I tell you that there is no way that I can see just based on this information that if we start a legal claim that we can't force the insurance company to the table and force them quickly. And in fact, by the way, I've had cases where as soon as we got involved and started a claim, I got a call from the defense lawyer for the insurance company not arguing about the case by saying, okay, how do we resolve this? What does your client want? It's unfortunate that my client had to retain me to, to, to get that kind of a response. But, you know, it does happen, and especially in these kinds of circumstances where it's clear-cut, right? There's no way the insurance company is going to be able to argue that this person should go back to work or is able to go back to work against their oncologist's advice. 
So, you know, if you're in that situation, you know someone who is in that situation, and it doesn't have to be cancer, any disability or illness that prevents you from working and the doctors treating that individual are saying, yes, this person is unable to work, and the insurance company turns, you know, the other way and, and says, no, I, you know, we're not going to accept it, we're denying your claim, call us, email us immediately. Don't, don't wait a day, an hour, a second, call and email us. We'll want to see the medical reports that you sent the insurance company. We want to see the denial letter, the policy, and we will tell you within minutes whether you have a valid legal claim or not. It's almost routine for them, even with an oncologist or a specialist to go, nah, no, no. Yeah, it, it, it happens all the time. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, the stuff that we see in the office, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Like, I understand that in some instances, you know, it may be this, maybe that, maybe a person has, you know, back pain, sciatica, you know, right. it, that can be debilitating, don't get me wrong, but you're talking about things that it is obvious, just obvious that the person is disabled. And, you know, in some instances where you look at the medical reports and the treating physicians, the, the specialists, the family doctors, they are just tearing their hair out because they don't understand why the insurance company is denying well, it's because you're assuming that in every instance, the insurance company is trying to make a decision based on good faith. And that's not the case, unfortunately. Clearly not. I mean, you're talking about overruling an opinion of someone who's got, you know, 20 years or more of expertise and education right. versus someone who's got Google. <laughs> yes. I mean, Google Med School. You know, it, yeah. it's not about, you know, uh, what's correct. It's just about the insurance company doing what's right for them. We'll uh, take it from there. The number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You can go mydisabilityquestions.com and fightformyltd.com. Check both those websites out. But if you want to find out what the pain and suffering component of a claim should be, your claim, for instance, a friend, a family member, injurycalculator.ca as well. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.